outside world occultism, the Toho podcast that is hopefully not from the bleakest future. <laughs> With me today on this episode of the Unsealing Club are F. Hiya. And Katya. Hi. The other two of our collaborators have decided to go spacewalking. <laughs> anyway, today in the vein of our Dolls in Pseudo Paradise episode a long time ago, we're going to be discussing Ghostly Field Club and giving it a read through. Yes, it's a little reading series. It's probably going to be kind of experimental this time around. <laughs> Let's just do some boundary crossing experiments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still figuring out what works here for something like this. So we're just going to be trying stuff, seeing how it goes. Shout out to Lavander for sort of taking the translation on the Toho Wiki and giving it a couple small tweaks. Yes, shout out to our lovely translator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for cleaning up the wiki's translation for us. I wouldn't say it's a matter so much of the translation on the wiki being incorrect or anything like that. Like, it's a good translation. Yeah, it's not incorrect. It just doesn't flow super well. Yeah, so Love adjusted a couple things to make it easier for a sort of reading series situation. Thank you, Love. Yeah, so there's three of us and three parts to the story. Pretty simple. Yes. I'll be doing the narration and following along our out loud Rinko and Mary. Yes, I'm Rinko. F is Mary. Yes, for this performance, I'll be playing the part of Mary Berry Harn. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you gave last name a Midwestern accent. <laughs> Do we want to read Zun's part? Yeah, I think I'm going to read the introduction. The script that Love wrote up for us, does Ghostly Field Club have comments at the end by Zun? I'm pretty sure that that is the ending. Is it not? No, it's at the start. Yeah, so there's 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 no commentary at the end like there is normally. Flip it around, I guess. <laughs> Also, the original translation is by somebody named Kafka Fura, so... No, that is not the original translation, I believe. Oh. The wiki's translation is, I believe, uncredited, and then there's an alternate translation linked at the bottom by Kafka Fura. Oh, okay. Yeah, alternate translation by Kafka Fura. Okay, so there's a lot of different translations of Ghostly Field Club, it seems, and the Hifu CDs. A lot of different translations of the Hifu CDs in general. People will see the Hifu CDs and be like, I need to do my own interpretation on the dialogue. I need to understand this. <laughs> anyway, the CD is Rindaino Yako, no Toho prefix. Night trip to Rindaino, Ghostly Field Club. And here's our greeting from Zoom. Nice to meet you, in a sense of the word. I'm Zun. I wanted listening to this CD to feel like strange spirits were gathering around you. I tried matching the songs with a story on the booklet, so if possible, try to read it while listening. And just for the record, pay please pay for the exorcisms yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like a few lines of dialogue for each song, so I don't know that you could actually listen to the whole song in the span of time it takes to read this, but definitely listen to the CD afterwards or before. Mm -hmm. Or at least get a clip of the song at the same time you're reading or listening to each of the parts. So shall we jump right into it? We begin with song number one, Passing On Through the Dendera Fields at Night. 
Yeah, this has got to be it. Renko said and showed me a notebook with some photos. Having come all the way here on a chilly autumn night, it'd be a disappointment if we didn't find anything. Though honestly, I hope to avoid acting like grave robber. Mary has seen the discourse online about the bone stealing witch. <laughs> <laughs> She's not stealing bones. She's just stealing a path to another world. Yeah, but she doesn't want people to think that she's doing bone stealing witch stuff. I mean, she is a magician. Yes. <laughs> anyway, the title of this song is a pun on pass through and pass away because the Dendra fields are also a place where people die. Wait, what is a Dendra field? It's another name for Rindino, but a different Rindino than the Rindino they're presumably in. There's two graveyards called Rindino. One of them is in Tono and one of them is in Kyoto. The one in Tono is also known as Dendereno. So I assume they're at the one in Kyoto because that's where they live. Yeah, I am not expecting they are traveling across half the country to go visit a graveyard. Not just yet, anyway. I mean, they might. You never know with these girls. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next song? Song number two is titled Girls Ceiling Club. And of course, that's Ifu translation discourse. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. <clears throat> Mary, shall we go and see the entrance in Rendina? It was two days ago that she made the proposition. The Ceiling Club, whose sole members of the two of us, is a regular club for mediums just like any other. Well, I say that, but we're not really into ghost summoning or exorcisms or really any of the usual stuff. Others might think that we're just a pointless club that can't even do the usual things that mediums do properly, but the truth is... Well, I'd like to see Renko make a different kind of proposition to Mary. <laughs> At the time that this takes place, I guess it's probably still pretty early in their friendship, I think. Yeah, I think that they're basically dating by after magical astronomy. Yeah. That's my personal place. They're definitely dating by all that. <laughs> so I have a take about the name Ceiling Club. We've already talked on other episodes of Unsealing Club about how the name is kind of... doesn't really... I still think Unsealing Club itself is pretty snappy. Yeah, it's a bit of a mistranslation in the first place, and Unsealing Club is honestly a better name for it. Your version is a very Sumiriko-like name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like... What Hifu Club actually means is like the club of like... Secret seals. They're not making the seals. They are... Investigating them. Yeah. Although with the early CDs, a lot of people just assumed that that was a verb rather than a noun. Yeah. Because Fu is something. <laughs> It's not even necessarily about mystical seals in the first place. Yeah. So my take on this is that the club name should be like extremely dramatic and... Chuni? Yeah, Chuni in a word. Because I think that's what would fit the best for something like this. And I think that like, well, you know, the club was founded by Sumireko in the first place. And I don't know if the name that Renko has chosen for it is a coincidence or not. I'm going to go with she probably found some old notes of Sumirakos or whatever. I think it's probably definitely not a coincidence. Yeah. Like, what are the odds that she would choose the same weird name? Exactly. So I think she found, like, some of Sumirakos' old notes or whatever, and then uh, decided to remake this club. Anyway, 
I think the name should be something like really dramatic and absurd and chuny. And my proposal for this is the Secret Seal Society, which is just great. It doesn't really roll off the tongue as much, but I don't think it's like supposed to roll off the tongue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's alliterative. It's alliterative. Alliterative, yes. English is something. Which is fun. <laughs> I like the idea of framing it like this occult club as a sort of secret society. Even though it's basically just Simiriko trying to get away from her peers, I expected it would probably have the opposite effect. Ooh, this cool girl is into the occult and she has a secret society. Yeah, although <laughs> I think most secret societies are on some level just like a bunch of people being dorks. Yeah, they definitely are. Or they're a bunch of people doing some really heinous shit, but we won't get into that. Anyway, the Secret Seal Society is like an extremely, like, it's an extremely anime name, and I think that fits Sumiraka's sensibilities. So in my heart, it's not the Sealing Club, it's the Secret Seal Society, which it works for me to set the mood of, like, what the club is and what they do. It's cute, and I think that it's an appropriately nerdy name for a high school club. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to demand that we start calling it that or anything, but, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. That's that's how I feel about the club. The fact that I'm writing, I have to choose a name to use, and it's a pain. Oh, no. Anyway, shall we continue to song number three? Yeah. Yeah. Song number three is titled Eastern Ghostly Dream, Ancient Temple, which is the stage five theme from Perfect Cherry Blossom. Renko, what do you mean, entrance in Rendino? It was so out of nowhere, I didn't really know what to say. This was the first that I'd heard of it. Well, just look. Nenko handed me a photo. It showed me an ancient temple like I'd never seen before. This is the netherworld. There's not really that much to say about it other than the fact that the song title has Toho Yoyomu in it, which is the title of Perfect Cherry Blossom. Yeah, and also, like I've mentioned, the PCB stage 5 theme. I think all the commentary on this little exchange is like followed up immediately in song number 4. Yeah, mm -hmm. we can move on to that. Song number 4 is titled Ancient Temple in the Netherworld. How come you have a photo of the netherworld? I have connections you don't know of, Mary. I had no idea what she was talking about, but I could only assume it was something like a spirit photograph from the dead. And in this picture here, if you look past the temple gate, so setting the scene here, like, Renko's just, like, talking about something that Mary just, like... Mary's just like, oh, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, she has no idea what Renko's talking about. Renko's got all these photographs and stuff. So I love the idea that, at least in the early days of the club, Renko was doing all the heavy lifting. She was doing all this yeah. research on her own time. Mary was, for a while there, basically just the eyes of the club. Yes, the cringe eyes of the club. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Renko's eyes are far more cringe than mine. <laughs> But that's in a later part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's move on. Song number five is titled Illusionary Night, Ghostly Eyes. And it is the stage one theme from Imperishable Night. See, here's the gate. But on the other side of it, isn't it clearly showing our world? She pointed at the darkened field. There was a single gravestone visible. True, the atmosphere was different from the rest of the picture. Like, it really was our world over there. Also, I pondered whether or not to nitpick what the gate was called. <laughs> <laughs> Mary 
is nitpicking the kanji that the gate is called, even though the pronunciation is the same, so we can presume that she's seeing past the fourth wall here or something. Yeah. Or maybe the two of them are, like, texting each other. I, yeah, it's definitely possible that in this section is, like, a conversation online or through texting or line or something. I don't think it is, actually, because... Yeah. Renko's physically pointing at the like something in the photo, and I don't know how easy you could do that with. Te- I guess it is the future, but still. Skype call and accompanying chat. <laughs> the previous dialogue mentions that Renko handed Mary a photo, so she physically. Yeah, I'm just. Still, I have I have a solution though. What's your solution? So Renko just gestures a lot when she talks. So. When she said Sanlon, she held up three fingers vertically, and Mary decided nitpick and said that those three fingers should be held horizontally. <laughs> that would be very funny. <laughs> and Mary would do that sort of thing. <laughs> oh yeah, the kanji for three is three lines horizontally, and the kanji for mountain is three lines vertically with with the fourth line at the bottom. But it still looks like holding up the fingers in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's actually a really great explanation. I'm stealing that. <laughs> I think it's just funnier that Mary somehow understands. She sees beyond the boundaries of Ringo's vocal expression or something. Yeah. <laughs> She's just rotating the kanji in her mind when Ringo says that. <laughs> 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 she, Mary's just like that. She's really like that. Mm-hmm. And the next song is about her being like that. Titled Mary the Magician. The true goal of the Ceiling Club is to expose the boundaries that surround this world. It's supposed to be forbidden, since there's a fear of breaking the balance, but really I can't help it. I can see the lines of these boundaries even if I don't do anything. I just see them, whether I want to or not. Love mentions that this is a really weird part of the... I think it's because it says forbidden, even though that's either like an early series oddity or a cryptic way of saying society doesn't accept anything supernatural. Personally, I think since Mary's family also has the weird power to see boundaries, I would probably just say her family saying, hey, knock that off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's like, you know, this is not elaborated on at all, like any anywhere else. And it's pretty much the idea of that is kind of contradicted later. Yeah. It's not artificially rejecting magic. Yeah. There's like the whole thing about breaking the balance, but like the, what does that actually mean? Imply. Like what mm-hmm. kind of balance? Yeah. Society? Boundaries? Yeah. Like the world itself? Yeah. <laughs> Who's deciding what the balance is? Why are they forbidding exposing these boundaries because of fear of breaking the balance? Like we speculated in a previous episode that there's like, you know, some kind of ancient family lore or something. Secret family lore. Yeah. Which personally is a theme that I like a lot and I'm actually working on my own fanfic involving that but Mary's just got a weird ass family yeah (laughs) even in the completely magicless future yeah I guess it should also be noted that the magician in the title Mary the magician is it's like a stage magician yeah it's not the same word that is used for like toho wizards like Marisa and Hachi and stuff it's majutsushi as opposed to mahotsukai yeah all right should we move on to uh Next song? Mm-hmm. All right. Song number seven is titled Strange Bird of the Moon, Illusion of Mysterious Cat. 
Franco had said the entrance was in Undina. Did she find out where it was from this picture? Well, that's easy. You can see the moon and stars in the photo, right? According to Renko, she can tell time by the stars and the location by the moon. She's always saying I have unsettling eyes, but I think hers are way more unsettling than mine. She's got the cringe eyes. Kimochi <laughs> wari. <laughs> <laughs> Telling fail time with my cringe eyes. Cringy Davis eyes. Saying fail boundaries with my cringe eyes. <laughs> the strange bird and mysterious cat are both a yokai bird and a bakeneko. Yeah, and I think that's like a PCD song or something, right? No, it's the Sealing Club itself's theme. Oh. According to Zun's commentary, the strange bird is Renko and the <coughs> mysterious cat is Mary. Oh, that's cute. I like that. Oh my gosh. Kitty, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> I've never associated Renko with birds before, but like now that I think about it, it is a very, she is like a very bird-like. Of course, she is associated with the moon and the stars, and Maribel is associated with illusions. Yes. It's a very good song title and one of my favorite songs, too. Yeah, and also, at least when she's Yukari, she is very cat-like. Just like, imagine trying to pick Yukari up and she just keeps going. She just gets longer and longer and you can't lift her. (laughs) Shows up out of nowhere to bother you and then completely ignores you for all of winter. (laughs) Yeah, Renko's got mysterious time-telling GPS powers. That's pretty cringe, if you ask Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Unveiling sealed worlds with our cringe eyes. (laughs) Song number eight is titled Flower of Past Days. Fairy of flower. Spider lilies are so creepy. I've hated them since I was a child. The entrance is the gravestone where spider lilies grow the thickest in Rondino. The phrase escaped from my lips somehow. Well, if you say so, it has to be true. Benko believed me without a doubt. She seemed to have already set her destination. I love that even here at the very beginning of the Hifu stories, Renko is just like... Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, she's just... And this gets carried on all the way to old Adam, and it's very cute. Yes. Yeah. She just trusts everything that Mary says. I like that. She doesn't question how Mary knows this or anything like that. She's just like, yeah, you're Mary, so you must know. Yeah, and Mary herself even seems to be somehow, like, surprised a little bit by the fact that she, like, knows. She, like, sort Mm -hmm. of has this intrinsic knowledge of where... The entrances to the netherworld. Mary just can tell the vibes there are rancid. Yeah, and <laughs> if you're if you're reading along on the wiki or something, then they use a different name for the flowers, like chorus. But that's just the scientific name. It's referring to the same flower, but it doesn't keep the same hikanbana, the flowers uh, that grow in hikan reference. Yeah, they also grow at. The road of reconsideration, etc. Yeah. yeah, all of the afterlife-related places in Toho are just like littered with these flowers. They represent, you know, sort of death. They're also poisonous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think they're really cool. They're one of my favorite flowers. They're really pretty. Yeah, I would honestly love to grow one at some point. I wouldn't want to grow them in my garden, but I'd love to like go and see some in the wild. Yeah. It is a little bit creepy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a reason they're called spider lilies. They look kind of like big red spiders. Next song is song number nine, Magical Girl Crusade. 
And this is a theme from the first Seho King. <laughs> the only canon connection to... <laughs> Not quite. There's some more Seho arranges in the later Hifu CDs. Yeah. I don't know if we want to investigate what kind of implications this has. <laughs> That's not. But it doesn't really. It's music that's been made. He put it on here. Yeah, we don't need to get into the theory that in addition to running the secret sealing society, Renko also runs the Seho Project fan club in the far future. <laughs> you know, I could really see that because we know for a fact that Renko is a fan of shmups. Yeah. So I think that, you know what? I can see this. She's played Seho. She's a fan yeah. of Seho. Now, whether Toho exists in Toho recursively is another matter. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. say that Seho ended up having far more cultural relevance in the long run. <laughs> the Hifu CDs take place in the alternate timeline where it's Seho project that really exploded and Toho project is just an obscure and irrelevant side game that has been lost to time and has nothing to do with any of the characters that they encounter in their journey. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but now the time has come for our boundary finding expedition to Rendino. It's best if there are no people around, so we set out in the dark of night. At first we were in high spirits and it was all well and good, but that all changed by the time we arrived there. Right. We'd almost forgotten that this was in fact a graveyard. <laughs> I love the idea of them just like being very excited and cheerful to go to this. And then they just like pull up at the train stop and they're just like, oh yeah. (laughs) Right, we're going to this graveyard in the middle of the night. Spooky. (laughs) You know, there's a bit of opportunity there for some kind of cute hijinks. Yeah, some kind of cute hand-holding hijinks. Yeah. I'm not quite sure if they're at that stage yet. Yeah, I feel like they've probably honestly just met each other at this point. Yeah. Is this their first ever expedition? I think it's probably at least one of their earliest ones. Mm-hmm. I like to hide Kenan as their first, but we don't know that for sure or anything. Yeah. Anyway, next song. Song number 10 is... Maiden's Illusionary Funeral, Necrofantasy, which is the extra boss theme from Perfect Cherry Blossom. I think this is the gravestone that Renko spoke of, but I can't see anything. Renko is urging me on. I've already tried touching the grave, pulling up the inscription plaques, everything. She looks up at the sky and murmurs. 22741. Ah, unsettling. In the end, she seems to have left all the grave robbing to me. The gravestone is heavy, but I finally managed to turn it... 2.30 2.30 sharp, she says, just as I push the stone a quarter of the way around. Even though it's supposed to be autumn right now, a panorama of cherry blossoms suddenly spreads out around us. I love that. Like, what are you doing, Renko? Why are you making Mary do all of it herself? <laughs> you know she has weird powers, supposedly, but, like, you're really not going to help her move this, like, heavy rock or anything? You're just keeping track of time? I like that title of this song because illusionary funeral is pronounced Ginso. <laughs> <laughs> like the same as the Ginso of Phantasm, but it's it's just funny. But also the Netherworld is presumably not still full of cherry blossoms. The spring snow instant presumably isn't going on still in the future, so can we just, like, think that that's because the netherworld is a pure land or something? Because, like, it would presumably be unchanging and stuff, so maybe it's just, like, 
all cherry blossoms all the time. Yeah. I think that's pretty likely. The netherworld we see in Chireki then is blooming, and whenever we see the netherworld, it's really blooming, but I don't know, like, maybe it's just, like, half blooming when it's not springtime or something. I mean, if we remember from Wild and Horned Hermit, I think, there's the part where Marisa goes to hang out in the netherworld and just, like, admire the cherry blossoms there, because the cherry blossoms in the netherworld are, like, special Mm-hmm. They, like, absorb spiritual energy or something like that. They're also, like, a pretty, well, not deeply ironic, but definitely ironic in that, you know, the cherry blossom is used as a symbol for transience and temporary fleeting things, and netherworld is unchanging and eternal. Yeah, it really makes it kind of seem creepy and unnatural. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the point in that, like, if the netherworld is this sort of extremely permanent place that never changes. I think it's a nicely ironic thing, though. I think it's contradicted in Perfect Memento, that which says that you can see autumn leaves there, but every time we've ever been to the netherworld, we've seen cherry blossoms blooming, so I think that I'm going to just personally put that off as old canon, because that's not as thematic. (laughs) Definitely, I think that, like, having this, like, symbol of, like, maybe even, like, the most well-known sort of symbol of the concept of transience in Japanese culture be this sort of very permanent and unchanging thing in the netherworld is like, you know. It's thematic! Mm -hmm. I also really like the literary technique here, Um, you know, because instead of saying, well, you know, we enter the netherworld or whatever, Zun just leaves it to implication for us to figure out that the sudden shower of cherry blossoms in autumn is a sign that it worked. Yeah, because, well, this was released directly after Perfect Cherry Blossom, you know? Yeah. I like the, what if, here's another thought, what if the autumn leaves in the netherworld mentioned in (laughs) Perfect Memento are actually the autumn leaves from the graveyard when Renko and Mary opened this gate and just, like, dumped a bunch of leaves in there on accident? Oh. That would be pretty funny. That would. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt that's the case, but... I think it mentions them being on the trees, though. (laughs) Yeah. My theory is that the autumn leaves are five carefully preserved ones. I think they're on the trees at the same time as the cherry blossoms, because... Ooh, that also makes sense, yeah. Time is fake. Time's fake, and maybe they're just, like, anything that's not cherry tree has its, like, autumn plumage, because autumn leaves are also a symbol of transience. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be really, really cool, actually. Like, if there's a maple tree, it's always got its autumn colors showing. Yeah, it would be an interesting contrast, and also they would both still represent sort of the timelessness of the netherworld, and yeah. the mm-hmm. fact that both are happening at the same time sort of just shows that it's very detached from any semblance of real time. Yeah. Song number 11, the final song on the CD, is titled Eternal Festival of Illusions. The autumn leaves have already fallen. Our pointless club continues barely scraping along. My partner, who has a habit of looking at the night sky and murmuring the time, is running late for our meeting. Sorry to keep you waiting. You're two minutes and 19 seconds late. My partner takes out a picture and starts talking the same as usual. Never mind that, Mary. What do you say we go see the entrance at Hakurei Shrine? I love how just, like, this little interaction is... It's so cute. Yeah. I'd love to know how the expedition to the Hakurei Shrine went. Is it just like, oh, there sure is a barrier here. (laughs) 
Don't know how we're going to get through that, though. <laughs> yeah, there's like, you know, we leave off the exploration of the graveyard with just them opening the gate and witnessing the cherry blossoms and seeing the netherworld. And it's never explained whether they enter it or if they just take it all in and then close the gate. The CD leaves what happens after they actually open up the gate to the netherworld up to the imagination. Yeah. I like to think that they chickened out. Yeah, I like to think that too, because, I mean, the picture of them exploring graveyards in Symposium of Post-Mysticism has them both being, like, kind of, ah, this is creepy. Yeah, like, it's earlier the mood was set as, like, you know, kind of, oh god, we're in this, like, creepy graveyard in the middle of the night, and then actually- We're really in the soup now. Yeah, and then this happens, and they're just like, no, nah, uh-uh, we're not going in there, and- No thanks! Yeah, and if we assume that this is their first sort of expedition of this kind, I like to think of it as sort of being something where they get scared and chicken out, and then- that's sort of their first ever experience with something like this. And then they build off of that and sort of work up the courage again to do things like this again now that they know that it's possible. Because if we assume that this is their first ever expedition like this, then like this sort of serves as confirmation that mm-hmm. these things are real. Yeah. Yeah. Which is definitely like less of a big deal for Mary than it is for Renko. But Renko is usually the one that is, like, pushing them forwards, at least in the earlier CDs. So if she chickens out, I can see Mary going, Oh, okay, I didn't really want to go (laughs) into this other world anyway. (laughs) Yeah, she's not enthusiastic about her powers to just, like, go places. She's not into that yet. She's still got this sort of baggage of it being forbidden and upsetting the balance, whatever that means. I like to think that Ghostly Field Club sort of serves as confirmation for Renko that there really is more to life than the world that they live in and and understand. Mm -hmm. Like, she definitely believed Mary, but she felt a little bit silly about it, and now she's just like, well... I don't feel silly about it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I think she believed Mary before this, mostly because she wanted to believe Mary. Yeah. And now she kind of believes her because, well, who wouldn't? Yeah, exactly. She's a scientist, after all. Mm Mm-hmm. I like that in this, like, afterward where they're, they've worked up the courage to go and try doing something like this again. Or they're like, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, they chickened out the first time, but they had a conversation about it. And they're like, okay, I think now that we know that something like this is possible, we're ready to try it out for real, for real. Go see it again. Then, of course, that ends up with nothing happening, because why would anything happen? I mean, Sumiriko went and got spirited away when she was a kid, but do you think these two would be that lucky? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that in this little afterward, I like that Mary is the one who's really being precise about time, which is, I think, sort of her her being a little bit snippy, like she's... She's grumpy in the earlier CDs. (laughs) Yeah, she's like... She's just a pretty grumpy person in general. She's just like, wow, this sure sucks. Yeah, being she... in this world with nobody believing that what I do is actually anything. Yeah, and like I don't know, I just think it's funny that she's like, "You're the big accurate time person. Like, mm-hmm. you know exactly what time it is. So I'm going to tell you exactly what time it is." And <laughs> Renko's just like, "It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's chill. It's only two minutes." And I don't know. I think that's a very cute interaction. It's adorable. 
Yeah. So I do like that. I don't remember if this is the first time it was ever mentioned, like, chronologically that the Hakurei Shrine exists in the outside world as well. Uh, I think that it was because it's mentioned that the Hakurei Shrine's on the border of Gensokyo in Perfect Cherry Blossom, but it's not explained what that really means. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that it's on the border of Gensokyo and the outside world, but it wasn't explained to mean that that meant that it also existed in the outside world. Yeah. Yeah. In the outside world, the Hakurei Shrine is sort of this abandoned, run-down shrine that nobody goes to. I mean, is it not that in Gensokyo either? <laughs> <laughs> oh, please be nice to Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm never wrong. <laughs> yeah, so it's this place that nobody goes to. It's abandoned. It's probably broken down. And I'm interested in, like, honestly, this little bit of information I'm really interested in knowing is just sort of... I mean, people have to go there probably just out of curiosity or... And people donate stuff and everything, but a lot of Remus shochu comes from the outside world. Yeah. Oh, does it? Yeah, it's probably just like maybe somebody sweeps it up once in a while, keeps it from falling apart, but there's not like anybody attending the shrine. Nobody knows the name of the god or anything. Yeah. That's why I said it's pretty similar to the one in Gensokyo, because it's like, <laughs> it's not like it's falling apart. It's just abandoned. Right. I mean, okay, so I guess before this, I had an impression in my mind that it was like, it was like actually like collapsing, basically, like it was extremely like it was a con it was practically a condemned building in the outside world. Internally, it might not be that great. But I'm pretty sure like the outside walls and everything aren't falling apart. There's probably some roof tiles falling off or something like that. Yeah, I do like the idea of it being like maintained by somebody. Mm -hmm. And that just sort of gives me more fuel for my own headcanons about the Hakurei family. Excellent. I'm stealing that idea. I like it. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so... I mean, that's Ghostly Field Club. Yeah. Yeah, it's the city where the gals go and steal some bones. <laughs> <laughs> I think this episode is definitely going to be shorter, but that's fine. Mm -hmm. for, especially for like a reading series, I think. Yeah, I think that this sh should be rather edible. <laughs> <laughs> I think I meant bite-sized, but <laughs> sure, eat it. <laughs> um, yeah, but be careful. Easy to digest, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I haven't had lunch yet? Aww. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty hungry too, so let's wrap this one up. This CD came out in 2003, so it's 17 mm -hmm. years old, which is ridiculous. Every time I just like sort of think about how old Toho is. Yeah, every time I'm reminded of how old Toho is and how long it's been around, I'm just like very amazed because it's like almost the same age as I am. And I don't know. That makes it more special to me. Toho is good. It is. Toho is good. Oh, and earlier we were speculating about whether the graveyard was in Kyoto or... Tono? Yeah, but literally at the top, Lev mentions that it's, a, it's the graveyard in Kyoto. So all of that speculation. It doesn't say whether it's in Kyoto or Tono in the CD, and Rendaino, spelled that exact way, is the name of a graveyard in Tono and one in Kyoto. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's just it's just conjecture. I think it's more likely that they're in the one in Kyoto and there's just some references to the one in Tono, like they're just generally have been in the PCB era. Yeah. 
Okay. Before you take us out, I guess I wanted to just like say that like we're still figuring out the reading series stuff. So if you guys have any input, please wait with us warmly. If there's anything that you'd like to see improved, please let us know. Yeah, this is definitely a trial run, and we plan on going through all of the CDs individually. Like, we've obviously talked about all of them before on the Unsealing Club, but we haven't done an exhaustive look at all of them. Yeah. yeah. We're going to go through them sort of line by line and talk about each one individually, and we're still figuring out the best way to do that. So, feedback would be appreciated. Yes. This has been Outside World Occultism and the Unsealing Club, and we will see you next period of time. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. I have been your host, Nii, and goodbye.